0: Ephesians um, chapter 1, and um, beginning to read from verse 15. Um, just last week we began a series on Ephesians. Last week we were looking at the first 14 verses. So this morning we look from verses 15 down to verse 23. Um, Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul um, to churches in Ephesians and also circulating around um, that particular area. Um, no, doesn't seem to be any specific um, issue that Paul is addressing with, within the letter. Um, but he writes to these churches, and, and through this, we, we get a, a big picture of God's eternal plan of salvation. We, we see clearly our identity in Christ, which is what we, what we want to really take hold of through this series to learn again who we are and what that means for us in living. Day by day. So, Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll read from verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ Let's just pause for a brief prayer. Let us pray together. Our Father, as we have said, we are thankful to meet around your word again. And we ask that you would speak to us. and We come to you hungry, longing for more of you in your word. And Father, may we leave here this morning more satisfied. May our souls be more satisfied in Christ. Show us again the glories of Christ, these great truths that we have and um, just been... Thinking about from eternity past to eternity future and we pray that you will help us grasp to a greater extent this morning we pray in jesus name amen well last week we thought about god's plan of of salvation god's vast plan from from eternity past to eternity future How God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How God glorifies himself through blessing his people. God chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless sons and daughters. In Christ we have redemption. We have been freed from sin We've been forgiven, delivered from God's punishment. We are God's eternal inheritance. He chose us for himself as his treasured possession and and gave us the Holy Spirit, which is his seal, his ownership upon us. And we can be sure then that God will receive what is his. And as God receives us, we receive him eternally and look forward with great hope. When all things will be united in Christ, perfect harmony restored as all things will come under his rule. And really we were attempting to, to try and grasp something of the, of the magnitude of these staggering truths. Truths for God's people, for, for those who have believed the gospel. I wonder what you thought as you went home from church last Sunday and perhaps have these truths in, in your mind. I wonder, have you been bursting with prayers this week? As we thought, that's really what this whole, these first 14 verses really just an outburst of prayers from Paul. I wonder if these truths really, really capture your heart and have you actually been thinking about everything differently because of these truths? Perhaps you're thinking, I'm I'm not actually quite sure what to do with these truths. I mean, yes, I I believe them. But somehow they're just so great that they almost seem distant. I I just can't quite grasp and fathom what God has done in my life, in our lives, for his glory. And I I guess as Paul was, was writing these truths... He realizes himself the vastness of what he speaks about. And, and so after this opening praise, he gives brief thanksgiving for the believers, and then he prays. And essentially in his prayer, he prays that they would grasp the truths that he has just laid out for them. If you look at verse 15, for this reason, which connects what Paul is going to say with what he has just said, for this reason... Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul's got word at some point or other about these believers, and he's glad because they're showing evidence of what God has done in their life. And when he prays in his times of prayer, he's always inclined to remember them and give God thanks for them. So Paul gives thanks for the believers, and then we see how he prays for them. And there are three main things that Paul prays for these believers, which we will look at. And again, like last week, you can can see these three things almost in past, present, and future blessings, Um, but but just not in that order. But let's look at these now together. First, First of all, thinking past. For this reason, because of how God has blessed you, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, if you look at this and compare it back to verse 9, verse 9 we see that God has lavished grace upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. In grace, God has revealed to us his will, that is, his his grand plan of salvation in Jesus Christ. He has shown us the truth of the gospel, how God chose us in eternity past, how we know the blessing of forgiveness now, and what that means for us in the future. And Paul prays that they would grasp this that they would grasp God's work of salvation in their lives, even that they would know more of what God has done. The revelation that Paul is speaking about, it's not a new revelation, but that God would reveal more to them of what he has already done in their lives. So often we want God to to bless us and to bless us more. And as we pray, we pray, God bless us. God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is, with every blessing from the Spirit. We have been blessed. We are being blessed. And all that God will give us in the future is more blessing. Paul prays that these believers would know how blessed they really are are and i think it's in us all isn't it that we are we're quick to see what we don't have we're often quick to see what god hasn't given us how we need to know again and again what we do have in christ God cannot give us anything greater than he already has given us. No matter what you, what you think of that, that God could, could give you or, or perhaps do for you or, or perhaps that, that could make your life so much better, he cannot give you more, he, he cannot bless you more than what he has in Christ. We need to know this. We need to pray this for each other. Perhaps as we come together to pray, and perhaps instead of praying, God bless us, why don't we pray, God, thank you that you have blessed me. Thank you that, that you've chosen us, that you've adopted us, that you've redeemed us, that you've claimed us for your own inheritance. Father, help us grasp this. Help us together as brothers and sisters to grasp what ye have done in our lives. And Paul goes on, he says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? The heart here is referring to our spirit, our inner being, our emotions, our thinking. As one commentator puts it, he says that Paul asks that our spiritual center will be given spiritual vision. That you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so this has us then looking to the future. And again, if we compare this with what we looked at last week, if we look back to verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. And as we looked at last week, it is saying that we are God's inheritance. Okay, we are God's inheritance. And then also 14, the guarantee of our inheritance. And also verse 12 refers to the hope that we have in Christ. And so again we see that what Paul has already said of these believers that is true, that they have great hope for the future because they are God's inheritance, Paul prays that they would know that they would see what God is doing in this world. But Paul prays really that they would see the world the way God does. See, everything now is moving towards then, when all things will be united in Christ when God will receive the inheritance for which he died, and when all things will be in submission under Christ and perfect harmony restored. It's crucial as believers we catch hold of what God is doing in this world. It's crucial that we see our story and circumstances of our own lives actually fitting into a much bigger story and picture. I always find it striking that the letters Paul wrote when he was in prison, that he really mentions the fact he was actually in prison. I just, sometimes I imagine if it, was, if it was me and I was writing to home to church, I, I probably would be writing for these, to these churches and pleading with them to pray that God would get me out of prison. Or perhaps no one would blame me for that. But we don't see that. Paul... Paul does ask him to pray for him in chapter 6. He says, Pray for me that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as I ought to speak. And we see a similar in the Philippians. Written probably from the same place of house arrest in Rome, Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul does not pray that that, that circumstances are are changed, but that we begin to view circumstances differently. That the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. That that we would be able to see that that, that even in every circumstance there is purpose and meaning, because in and through it, God is working out His eternal plan of salvation. And we often see this pattern in the Psalms as well. That when the psalmist is in distress, he, he has that privilege of pouring out his heart to God. But it's often that in catching hold of who God is, that changes not His circumstances, but His view of His circumstances. Do you know sometimes it's difficult to know what to pray? Or even how to pray? If someone perhaps says, I'm, I'm going through this right now, and you think, goodness, do you know how, how do I pray for you? And I would suggest that what Paul prays for these believers, we can use to pray for each other. So as, as so-and-so, as Bob, comes up to us and says, oh, I'm going through this, can you pray for me? Pray that God would give him the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Him. Pray that more than anything else, he would know God better. Pray that the eyes of his heart would be enlightened, that that he would know the hope to which God has called him to. Pray that he would know how precious and valuable he is as God's eternal inheritance. Pray that he would be able to fuse circumstance through God's vast and eternal plan to unite all things in Christ for his glory. And we can pray this with absolute certainty. Because this is what God is doing. He will do it. And so we can face every circumstance with certainty. There's nothing wrong with asking God to, to change our circumstances or... But God hasn't guaranteed any of that. But he has given us his Holy Spirit to guarantee we are his and he will receive what is his. Paul goes on praying that these believers then would catch hold of what God is doing in the present. Look at verse 19. He prays that these believers would know the immeasurable greatness of Paul prays that these believers would know the power that is at work within them now. And, and, and he draws their attention to what, to, to what this power, God's power, has already done. And it is here that, that Paul refers to Christ's resurrection, ascension, and session. We see that by God's power, Christ was raised from the dead. That's, of course, his resurrection. And we see then that by God's power, Christ resurrected body returned to the father that is his ascension and we also see then that by god's power christ was seated at the right hand of the father that is his session and fulfills what we read in psalm 110 where the lord says to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies your footstool christ being raised to the father's right hand it, it shows power it shows favor it shows victory And he's been raised far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name in this age and the one to come. Christ has been raised to live forever and reign forever. The entire universe and and everything that exists within it exists under his rule. One influence in in Ephesus that, that many would have been affected by was Kind of spiritual powers and, and magic practices. And many would have lived in great fear um, of these powers. And Paul writes really saying that, he's saying that Christ is far above any human practice or authority. He, he is far above anything in the spiritual realm, demons or otherwise. And he says, you, you, you don't need to worry You don't need to fear because you're united to Christ and and He has victory and power over everything. And that means you too have victory and power over everything. In Christ, we have nothing to fear. He's above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. All things are under His feet. We don't need to fear dark or spiritual forces. We don't need to fear perhaps powerful people or, or rulers who seem to have control in this world. We don't need to fear controlling people in the workplace or, or anywhere else. Christ is above all. We don't need to fear illness or, or even death for that matter. Christ has overcome death. We too will overcome death. We don't need to fear temptation. We don't need to be threatened by it. The power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him above all powers is our power over temptation and sin. Now, it's not easy to have confidence when we feel controlled or manipulated. It's not easy to have peace when we face health issues. It's not easy to have victory over temptation and sin. And that's why we need to know the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. We go on, verse 22 and 23. And he put all things on his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The Christ who is head of all things of the universe is also head of the church. God's power that has worked in Christ is working in the church, you and me, which is Christ's body. Verse 23, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Verse 23 is is quite difficult to to understand. Um, There have been various suggestions as to what this might mean. Um, But I think other translations are helpful to us. Um, If you listen to this translation of verse 23, And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. I, I believe this is referring to, to Christ filling the church rather than the church filling Christ or God filling Christ. I believe it's referring to Christ filling the church. Um, if we look at, at other places in, in Ephesians, it, it seems that this same idea is, is being um, is being thought. In Ephesians 3, 19, Paul prays that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And also, Ephesians chapter 4, which we thought about Saturday a week ago, Paul says that the goal of the church is to attain the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. God's plan is to unite all things in Christ, to bring all things in submission under Jesus Christ. This this is the purpose of all the universe. And I believe that what Paul is saying is that the church is the means by which God will achieve that goal and purpose. As the church is filled with the power of God to fulfill the purpose of God, that is to live holy and blameless lives under the rule of Jesus Christ, this is the means by which the universe will be filled with its purpose. You see, the church is central to God's plan. As we, the church, move and interact in the world, we are filling the world with God's power and purpose. We are salt and light wherever we are and whoever we are with. We are the means by which others come to believe in Christ, and and as that happens, we're moving further towards God's goal of uniting all things in Christ. you're only going to say don't you? The health of the local church is key to the growth of the local church. The health of the local church is key to God's purpose for the universe. The gospel is not just past for the moment we believe and, and also future our ticket to heaven in the end. The gospel is for all of life here and now. God is working in our lives moment by moment, day by day. Paul prays that these believers would grasp what God has done in their lives, what God is doing, and what God will do in their lives. And these truths change how we view everything. They even gave everything meaning and purpose as we move towards God's final purpose for the glory of his name. So how do we pray? How do we pray together? So I was thinking, and I was wondering, are our prayers um, much different from non-believers? Which may sound like a strange thing to say. But of course, people who don't claim to be Christian, who do not know the gospel, they will still pray for whatever reason. But they will still pray, particularly when life is tough. And praying really gives us an insight into our priorities and and into our heart. And so I think we've got to ask, when when we pray, is our focus mainly on physical, temporary, material things, on, on the improvement of circumstances as perhaps someone who doesn't know the gospel might pray? Or do we pray as those who know the gospel? Do we pray as those who, who can see our, our story within a much bigger story of salvation? Do we pray as Jesus taught us? Our Father, who art in heaven, Father, glorify your name. We bless you for how you have blessed us. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, may your kingdom come further in our lives. In every situation, may we come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And may others who are yours be brought into your kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, just give us today what we need to live for you. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Father, we're sinful. We need your forgiveness and redemption in Christ and and we want to extend that to others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, by your power, keep me from temptation. Enable me to be holy and blameless. And as older translations have, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Father, help me know today that you are working for your purpose and your glory, that Christ is alive and reigning now and forever. And all things today are moving towards all things being united in him. Father, help us to see as you see. Let us pray now together. Our Father, we recognize that these truths of your gospel are at times just hard to catch hold of. There are at times hard to grasp. And so we pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom and revelation Father that you would help us to see what you have done in our lives you would help us to see how you have blessed us Father we pray that we would know your power that is at work within us we pray that we would look to that power, rely on that power to be holy and blameless in all circumstances, to be salt and light wherever we are and whoever we are with. Father, we pray that you will enlighten our hearts that we might see the great hope that is ours in the future as we are yours and nothing can take us from you. Nothing will stop you receiving your inheritance. And to Father, as we thought earlier, whether we are young or old, whether we come today with hands full or hands empty, whether you come with hearts of joy or hearts of sorrow or worry or fear, Father, we pray that in that we will catch hold of what you were doing. Father, that we we will have certainty as we live knowing that our lives fit within your grand story of salvation. Father, that this might even bring us hope and comfort that it would change the way we view every day. Father, we need you. May we pray for each other. May we pray for each other to have wisdom, to have our hearts enlightened, and to catch hold of the great hope that is ours in Christ. Father, help us, we pray, continue to speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.